For 25 years selling health insurance in Austin, Texas, Jim Gideon had a secret weapon. Well, not so secret. He made sure every client and every prospective client knew about her. We would tell our clients that, listen, uh, you don't need to be on the phone for four hours with Blue Cross Blue Shield. Let, let us do that. I have a person. That person was Barbara Fabian. I did it as a full-time job for 25 years. No problem too big, no problem too small. Did you lose your prescription drug card and you're at the pharmacy with a sick kid and they won't deal with you? Call Barbara. She'll fix it. You've got cancer and chemo and a six-inch thick pile of bills you don't understand? Barbara will go through them. I mean, it didn't matter who you were in the company. You have a claim and you have a problem, call Barbara, and Barbara took care of it. That's the way it was. And I loved it. In our last episode, we talked with Steve Bonasso. He's an HR director who wrestles with health insurance every month for the people in his company. Barbara was his teacher on this stuff. He said he learned everything from her. And so Steve does this every month. Barbara did it every day for 25 years and loved it. That is someone I was super curious to talk with. And after talking with Barbara and with Jim, her employer, I got curious about something else, too. Jim says employing Barbara was terrific for his business. So why aren't there more people out there doing what she did? Huh. We'll get into it. This is An Arm and a Leg, a show about the cost of healthcare. I'm Dan Weissman. I'm a reporter, and I like a challenge. So my job on this show is to take one of the most raging, terrifying, depressing issues in American life. And I mean, right now, the competition on that score is extremely tough, but still. And I'm here to bring you something that's entertaining, empowering, and useful. And right now, I'm leaning into that useful part. This podcast these days is a school for financial self-defense because... The cavalry isn't coming. I can't think of anyone I'd rather get a lesson from than Barbara Bob. She became an expert pretty much by accident. Her kids were old enough she was ready to take on some part-time work. She ended up working for Jim. Because his office was five minutes from my house. And I didn't even know what health insurance was then. I didn't know anything about it. I mean, she knew it existed, but her husband had been taking care of that stuff. And she kind of fell into the troubleshooting role when the woman who had been handling claims went on maternity leave. She left Barbara a list of 800 numbers to give to clients who had questions. I went, you know what? I'm not giving out 800 numbers. That's not a service. I got on the phone with the insurance company and got the answers. I was learning all that as I was going along because I'd ask a question and then I'd get off the phone and I'd go, well, wait a minute, I need to know this too. And I was on that phone until I had all the answers before I called that person back or emailed them. So nobody from the day I started doing it had to ever talk to an insurance company, which that's like gold. And Barbara really took care of people, starting with returning phone calls right away. People were just shocked that I would call them within 10 minutes of calling me. <laughs> but the thing is, I wanted to talk to you before I started working on it because I have all these questions to ask you that you hadn't even thought about. And then as soon as she put the phone down with you, she'd call the insurance company, get those answers. Type it up and email it to you the same day. I mean, it was unheard of. People go, are you kidding me? But she says it was easy to do. She knew exactly what she had to ask. And especially as time went on, she knew who to ask. And 
they knew her. It got to be where I'd just call and go, this is Barbara Fabi, and they go, how are you? I mean, we were like friends. And she knew when the answers she got weren't adding up. See, I knew enough to go, no, I don't think so. According to this policy, da-da-da. And I'd call them out on it. That's the thing that's scary about people talking to the insurance company. They don't know if they're getting the right answers or not. I knew when I was not getting the right answer. How often would you say you were not getting the right answer? A lot. So let that sink in for a minute. A lot of the time, even knowing what to ask, even knowing a lot of the time who to ask, she wasn't getting the right answer. So on the one hand, holy crap, most of us would not know any of those things. And this too, Barbara says when she couldn't get the right answer quickly, getting there took a lot of work and a lot of time. Or Barbara, who knew a lot. So that completely stinks. But on the other hand, huh, if we can learn, if we can dedicate the time to it, a lot of the time we might find places where we're not actually supposed to pay what we're told the first time out. There's a lot of money we may not have to leave on the table. So let's get the lesson. What were the actual problems Barbara solved? It's important to say that one thing Barbara did a lot did not involve detective work and didn't reduce anybody's bill. A lot of the time, she just made clearer for people what all the paperwork actually meant, what they actually owed. She says people appreciated that too. I mean, the news was not always great. That is a problem no one person is going to solve. But at least it was clear. But again, a lot of the time, there was a problem she could get to the bottom of. She talked with me about two big buckets of issues. One was when the insurance company seemed to be the source of the problem. They were denying something they really should have approved. Then it's time to file an appeal. And most of the time, she won. And I filed two or three appeals sometimes. But then I would win at, at the end of the day, you know, six months later. Or even a year. And the reason she won, she picked her battles. I didn't file one unless I thought I really had a good chance of winning. I mean, I just didn't file it because somebody didn't like their answer they got from the company. And getting to the point where she had enough information to know if this was a battle worth picking, that took time. Literally, I could be on the phone for four hours talking about one claim. Okay, let me talk to your supervisor. Okay, let me talk to, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just going up the ladder. You had to spend all that time on the phone to get all your information to be able to file that appeal. And here's an advanced tip from Barbara. She knew a lot, but she also knew to just ask a direct question. I didn't have any problem asking, what do I need to do to appeal this? And then they would tell me, well, it says in the policy that this is excluded or whatever. And I said, so how do I get around that? How do I word it? And they would give me information. The thing is, you just have to ask. A lot of people wouldn't even know to ask. That is something that, if we've got the patience for the whole process, seems worth trying out. You want to file an appeal with the insurance company, ask them a bunch of questions, direct questions, because sometimes, according to their own rules, they should be paying for something they've said no to. That's the first big bucket. And asking the insurance company questions is also how Barbara figured out when a particular case fell into the other big bucket, a coding problem provider had used one billing code for something they'd done, and this insurance didn't like that code. 
But if the provider used a different code to describe the same thing, everything could be fine. And Barbara had ways of finding out. I mean, this is definitely after time. You get to know them and everything. I go, well, okay, Sally, tell me what what code is covered? I mean, what what's the code? See, they're not supposed to give that to you. And sometimes they wouldn't, not even for Barbara. But Barbara knew how to play the game that way, too. She'd look up a bunch of codes for whatever was on the bill and then test them out. I go, so is this code covered? And they go, yeah. And I went, okay. She says it's like 20 questions. They'll answer yes or no questions. And not just for her. You just have to know which questions to ask, which takes a lot of figuring out. And there's not an easy map. Barbara did tell me that. But this would be interesting to learn more about in another episode. How do we look this stuff up? How do we become code breakers? I mean, even the word code is interesting, right? When something's in code, it's secret. Or at least, it's not in plain language. But Barbara is here to tell us code breaking, however much work it takes, isn't enough. There's more slow, patient work to do. She says once she got the right codes, her work was not over. She had to get the provider to resubmit their bill with the codes the insurance company would cover. And I mean, after pulling teeth out of the lion's mouth for two months, they would finally send in the correct codes and they would get paid. Meanwhile, our client was not doing anything. Yeah. All they were doing is just letting me take care of it. But it finally got paid correctly because we got the correct codes put in. Man, that sounds good. A lot of people thought I was doing magic, but I really wasn't. All I was doing was just being their advocate and having enough knowledge to get on the phone and get it resolved. Go through the six months it may take to get it resolved and just do it. It wasn't any magic. Six months. But, okay, fair warning. And Barbara did have one bit of magic. I was always friendly. I mean, you know, people get really testy with insurance. Not Barbara. I respected their job, and even if I didn't agree with what they're telling me, I wasn't nasty about it, you know. So people didn't mind working with me. Which absolutely makes sense. I mean, yes, it makes sense that people responded to her being nice, and it makes sense that Barbara was able to be nice because this was a job for her. So, one, that's a little less nerve-wracking than having your own money on the line, maybe an unsettling amount of money. Two, that meant she kept getting better at it, more confident. And three, she was on the clock, earning a paycheck. If she was on the phone for four hours, she wasn't stealing time from her job or from her family or whatever other obligations. All that stuff, the pressure of some wild amount of possible debt, the feeling of being one down because the other person knows more than me, pressure of stealing time, me, personally, that can leave me edgy, resentful, less friendly. I think that's why Barbara's friends couldn't believe she got out of bed to do this job for 25 years. I go, I love my job. And they go, you love your job? You spend your whole day talking to an insurance company. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) But getting paid to talk to the insurance company, that takes the edge off. And paying Barbara to do that was an easy call for her bosses because she kept their customers extremely happy. You have a happy customer, you keep them. Yeah. You keep them. I mean, it's not to brag or anything, but there were clients that we kept because of the customer service. Yep. 
like Steve, the HR director from our last episode. He picked them for that exact reason. So when Jim and his partner merged with a bigger agency, of course they brought Barbara with them and kept her doing customer service full time. Here's Jim. They would always question us going, we don't have anybody else in any of our other 20 locations that's paying for that person to do that. Of course, we go, why not? Jim says joining the bigger agency made it even clearer how valuable Barbara was. When we watched other brokers and their staff, their staff would get bogged down. Jim and his crew would see those brokers hustling on their deadlines. They want to close this deal. They got to be ready for an enrollment meeting tomorrow. And then they get a call. A call from a client who's like, I got a problem with a claim. And oh, now you got to decide, are you going to take this call and work for eight hours on it? Or are you going to get your other stuff done? Jim never had to decide. He would just call Barbara. And he encouraged those other brokers to call on her too whenever they got stuck. And, and about 45 minutes later, she'd call and goes, done. And they go, <laughs> what did you do? We haven't even got Humana to answer the phone yet. Yeah, well, they were calling Humana's 800 number. Barbara was calling the right person on their direct line. She added incredible value. So we always saw that and defended it to the end. And I'll be honest with you, when she retired, I retired. Because <laughs> I wasn't, I, cause, you, know, you know, she carried my water for a long time and part of my shtick was that. And when Barbara left, the agency didn't hire somebody else to do what she did. It just wasn't part of the agency model. And that's fair. I'm not telling them how to run their business. But it seems weird, right, that a position that seems so valuable, where everybody can see how valuable it is, that nobody's like, hey, we should do a lot more of that. And it's not just this agency. Barbara remembers how excited her bosses were when she first got going. And Pete kept telling me there's nobody in the country that probably does what you do. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. But he had clients that were going, man, we've never had this service before. Yeah. So why should it be so unusual for health insurance brokers to prioritize customer service? My pal Marshall Allen has an idea. He's a reporter for ProPublica who has done a lot of stuff on health insurance. He's going to fill us in right after this. This episode of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service covering healthcare in America. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with the big healthcare outfit, Kaiser Permanente. We'll have a little more information about Kaiser Health News at the end of this episode. Marshall Allen has been reporting on health insurance for years at ProPublica. We talked last year about how insurance companies use medical devices to spy on us. Creepy, but a super fun episode, actually, and it includes some great examples of how we can actively fight back. Marshall did a big story that explains why most health insurance brokers don't make Barbara Fabian-style customer service a real priority. It's because they've got a major conflict of interest. Those brokers are having all of their commissions funded through the insurance plan. That is, if you're an employer shopping for health insurance and you hire a broker, you don't pay that broker. Instead, when you actually buy insurance, they get a percentage from the insurance company. So ultimately, the question is, who is your broker working for? Are they working for the employer and the employees, meaning they're going to fight hard against the insurance company? Or are they working for the insurance company, which happens to be the entity that is signing their paychecks? <laughs> I mean, it's funny, not funny, right? Standard commissions are like three to five percent. And it's not just straight commission. Insurance companies also offer bonuses to brokers for bringing in big business. Brokers sent Marshall information on those bonuses. Sign up a big group, 
you could get $100,000. You can get six-figure bonuses for signing up a big enough employer with an insurance company. And remember, that's the bonus. You're also getting a commission. And there's another set of bonuses. If you do enough business for a given insurance company across all the employers you sign up, you can earn rewards. Perks like a fancy trip, like a cruise, a trip to the Super Bowl. I mean, these are nice perks, right? So it might be a fancy vacation. So that gives me an incentive to say, like, I could go to the Super Bowl if I get enough people to sign up with Blue Cross. So I'm going to push Blue Cross because Cigna is offering the Disney World cruise. And we did that last year with my family. And that was nice. Right. This year, I want to go to the Super Bowl. I'm pushing Blue Cross. Yeah. Who's got the carrot is kind of the question here. That's exactly right. And that's not all. Because the insurance company also has a stick, one that brokers would be dumb to ignore. If they run afoul of that insurance plan, they could be what's called decommissioned, which means they're cut off and they lose their commissions. Yeah, that is a pretty good reason to avoid being too aggressive. I mean, Barbara wasn't aggressive. Barbara was always nice. But still, the whole arrangement gives you an idea of why a broker is almost always going to prioritize doing sales for the insurance company over doing customer service for you. Because you aren't the customer. The insurance company is the customer. So we shouldn't expect a gazillion insurance brokers to hear this podcast and go, we are restructuring right now to hire more Barbara Fabians. Like I've said before, the cavalry isn't coming. That's why this show is focused on learning self-defense. And just to put all the cards on the table, at one point, Barbara says to me, I don't know about your podcast, Dan, about self-defense. She says she's not sure how people can just do this for themselves or who we can get to do it for us. There's a great need for what I did, but people don't have the time and in, in, in resources to pay somebody to do what I did. I tell her this whole conversation leaves me kind of split. Like on the one hand, we obviously need an army of Barbaras and gosh, wouldn't somebody please go create one? And on the other hand, wait a minute. I've mentioned before how an economist named Bob Poland looked at how many people would be thrown out of work if we had a system like Medicare for All. These are people who work for providers fighting with insurance over bills and people who work for insurance fighting on the other side. People who don't actually provide any health care. And that was 1.8 million people. 1.8 million jobs. And I think, with all respect to the folks in those jobs, Damn, that is a big layer of waste in our system. And I think, hey, so if somebody said, I have a plan for an army of Barbaras, wouldn't that just be adding another layer? Wouldn't we just be adding to the number of people participating in our medical system needing to be paid who don't actually provide medical care? So I tell Barbara, I I don't know about my podcast either. Like, I know it's not a panacea. I just know we're in this world where most of us are exposed to these huge financial risks. Yeah, no, totally. I totally agree with you. (laughs) Because you're like, I don't know about your podcast. Both of us are just like, it stinks. We don't have a switch we can flip and be like, this is taken care of. But I think there is a pitch that like, this is an investment that uh, we should be prepared to make. You know, it's like learning to be your own handy person. Or Or learn how to hook up your own technology. Barbara says she knows what that's like. I'm very challenged with internet stuff. I'm very challenged on mortgages and stuff like that. I don't want to deal with it. I want somebody (laughs) to take care of it for me. And Barbara agrees most of us can't get somebody to just take care of this healthcare stuff for us. So if we're on our own, where do we start? She says, just... Get on the phone. Call the company and ask them why that's not covered. 
And if you don't like the answer, you ask why. Explain it to me. Yeah, don't take answers at face value. And that's the biggest thing, and that's what I do. But I didn't start out that way. I started out not knowing questions to ask. Yeah. Like, in the end, you were an expert, but you didn't start out as an expert. No. Yeah. No. I didn't even know what PPO and HMO was when I started. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a rookie. And, I mean, if you don't know what an HMO or a PPO is, do not sweat it. Just remember, one, Barbara did not know either when she started, and two, at that point, Google did not exist, and neither did this show. So some things are going to be a little easier for you. And in the name of making things easier, I just want to highlight the big thing I'm taking away here. Beyond the recap of what we've been hearing a fair amount on this show, fighting back can take a lot of time and patience and tenacity, and it doesn't always work because our system sucks. There is this nugget. How often is there a problem that, if you've got the patience and tenacity, can get fixed? A lot. So just keep going. And actually, while you're at it, Barbara emailed me this one reminder after we talked. Anytime you get on the phone with these folks, be ready to put these three things at the top of your notes about the call. One, the phone number you called. Two, the person's name, whatever they'll give you. And three, a reference number for the call. Barbara says there's always a reference number. So ready, set, keep going. Last time on this show, I closed by asking you to tell me what was keeping you going right now, what was getting you through. And I'm not going to lie, not a lot of folks responded, which I get. For the last bunch of months, what gets you through has been a major, major ask on social media. A lot of us are getting throughed out. I did get a really nice response from Michael in Boston. He said, to paraphrase, this here sucks. Trying to stay positive, quote, has been a challenge, unquote. But he says... A small upside is that I've been way more creatively productive than at any other time I can remember. He's written a bunch of songs, and he sent me YouTube links to videos that show him and his bandmates, they're called the Rockmores, each recording their own part at home at a super safe social distance. There's also quick shots of them learning how to use video editing software. It is so charming. This tune is probably my favorite. It's called Going Down Now. I'll have a link to it in this week's newsletter. You might want to subscribe. That's at armandalegshow.com slash newsletter. Take me for a ride. I'm going down. In the last newsletter, I share what's been getting me through. That would be our family's cat. And please get ready for a possibly embarrassing acknowledgement. The music of Paul McCartney. My boomer siblings played me Hey Jude in the actual cradle. His voice is the sound of comfort. He's been putting out solo records for 50 years. I've been making playlists and playing them over and over and over. And here's something I'm looking forward to. This fall, I'll be tackling a question I've been curious about since I first started this podcast. Healthcare is about a sixth of the U.S. economy, $3.6 trillion. Where does that money go? Whose pockets does it end up in? A full accounting is, well, it's beyond the reach of this independent podcast, but we can ask some big, interesting questions like how much of it goes to profits? How much goes to salaries above, say, $500,000? How much goes to architecturally significant hospital buildings? I've started to find some people who know how to find the answers, so stick around for that this fall. 
Meanwhile, thank you so much for supporting this show. I am taking on this $3.6 trillion set of questions from the three-season sun porch behind my son's bedroom, and I can do it because you are making it possible when you support this show on Patreon. If you want to help out that way, go to armandalegshow.com slash support. Thank you. We'll be back in two weeks. Till then, take care of yourself. This episode was produced by me, Dan Weissman, and edited by Marion Wang. Daisy Rosario is our consulting managing producer, and Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard. Our music is by Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America. That's an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, the big healthcare provider. They share an ancestor, this guy Henry J. Kaiser. He had his hands in a lot of different stuff. Concrete, aluminum, shipbuilding. When he died more than 50 years ago, he left half his money to the foundation that later created Kaiser Health News. You can learn more about him and Kaiser Health News at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. Diane Weber is senior editor for broadcast, and Tanya English is senior editor for broadcast innovation at Kaiser Health News. They are editorial liaisons to this show. Finally, thank you to some of our new backers on Patreon and some who increased their pledge. Pledge two bucks a month or more, you get a shout out right here. Thanks this week to Jerry Boyle, Jordan Schneider, Lindy Brandt, Dan Sweetheart, Joan, Catherine Avila, Theodore Craig, and Carla Kearns. Thank you so much.